Hello and welcome back to the Wolf's Gaming Podcast. I'm your most host with the most washed body, having just gotten fresh out of the shower. More information than you probably need to know. Yes, I'm Baden Ronnie, aka Wolf of WolfsGamingBlog.com, the home of the very best reviews on the entire web. Honest, true story. Not even overhyping it. Anyway, welcome back to another episode. This week we're talking about a few different things, including the usual stuff, what I've been playing and what I will be playing. We're going to be talking about my Outriders impressions, because I don't think I'm going to have the review done for a little while yet, so I wanted to get my thoughts out there. We're also going to be talking about the Games with Gold from May, and when we jump into the news, we're going to be talking about such things as a leaked internal FIFA 21 document that shows just how badly EA wants you to buy those lovely cards. And we're also going to be talking about possible relationship between Nintendo and Xbox, whether Game Pass might be coming to the Switch, and whether we could even see Nintendo games coming to the Xbox. So stay tuned for all of that. So, first up, I put out a Warhammer 40k Dawn of War review. I did this because I've been getting back into playing the game myself and been really enjoying it. And it was just a chance to do something a little bit different. But looking at the reception in terms of just views doesn't look like a lot of people are interested in stuff in this type of content so i don't know if i'll be doing anything like that again although i might because i still quite like the idea of reviewing another warhammer game in the form of space marine the awesome little third person hack and slash shooter i'm also working on something very different for me and that is a history of insomniac games currently i'd argue the best definitive history of insomniac games comes from colin moriarty who wrote an article way back in about 2010 for ign so I'm wanting to put together something that spans, you know, from the founding to modern times, 2021. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not claiming this is going to be some incredible work of journalism. I'm not a big enough site or voice in the industry to get anyone from Insomniac to talk to me. So this history of Insomniac is going to be comprised of, you know, research from across the web, whether it be Wikipedia, various interviews, quotes from interviews, obviously all credited properly, uh, and various other bits and bobs. So it's not going to be a definitive history and it's not going to be, like I said, a piece of amazing journalism that delves into new and exciting parts of Insomniac we maybe didn't know about. I just wanted to do this because it's something different and I've really been enjoying working on it and finding out all these little details about Insomniac that I never knew, such as cancelled projects, uh, their working relationship with Naughty Dog over the years, how early they knew Mark Cerny of Sony and so on and so on. So far, I'm up to their Sunset Overdrive period, and it's been about 4,000 words. So it wouldn't surprise me if the full article maybe tops, you know, seven, eight, even maybe 10,000 words. I'm really curious to see how well this article is going to do on the website. I think it would be cool if people were interested. and I maybe did a few more throughout the year of various other companies, maybe not big companies in Lincoln Solbiac, maybe a few smaller ones as well. But yeah, overall, it was just something different for me to do something that i'm really enjoying so i'm curious to see what the reception is going to be now let's move on to outriders and how i'm feeling about this game i've now put in i don't know maybe a few dozen hours into it like you know 20 30 hours somewhere around there i think i'm about level 24 or something so maybe that doesn't work out with the hours played i'm just taking a very vague guess here i've been playing as the trickster class which is all about movement and stuff, and I'm just telling you that so you can have an idea of how I've been approaching the game if you're already aware of how the game works. If you don't know what Outriders is, think of it as like a third-person looter shooter. It's got little hints of that uh, live service-style game, 
but not quite to the same extent of the likes of Destiny 2, for example. It seems more contained, which is one of the reasons why I'm actually really enjoying it compared to a lot of the other games out there. The basic gist is that humanity has once again fucked up the Earth, and so everybody has jumped on a spaceship and buggered off to a new planet called Enoch. You play as a nameless outrider, a group of people who get sent down to the planet to scout things out, see what it's like. Needless to say, things go so sideways you'd think it was run by the UK government. There's storms on this planet, there's like black goo that starts killing you guys, bunch of the outriders just get wiped out. So the outriders are running back, they're telling them, you know, don't put any more people on this planet, this place is not safe, but some jobs worth who has less sense than a fucking stone decides to send everyone down anyway. And so your outrider gets hit by the storm and ends up in cryo for 35 years. You wake back up to discover everything has once again gone to shit. The world is covered in war. Everybody's trapped in this valley by these anomaly storms. Nobody can get out. There's two factions fighting it out over this huge no man's land. The good news is somehow you've gotten superpowers. Turns out this anomaly storm can give people, just randomly, powers and they become known as altered and are essentially gods amongst men. You know, they can absorb bullets, they have incredible strength, they have awesome abilities, all that sort of stuff. So let's kick off with a story, uh, what I think about it. Generally speaking, I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional, I think the game's quite funny and enjoyable. And the reason I say I don't know if it's intentional or not is because there's a very schlocky sci-fi vibe with dodgy writing in the sense that I'm not sure if it's deliberately hokey and corny and cheesy or if it was actually meant to be serious. Either way, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. You play as this, um, it's hard to describe his personality. He's got that sort of devil-may-care, shrugging off, I-don't-care attitude to just about everything. But he does occasionally come across as a psychopath whose lack of caring is almost comical at times. He just sort of takes everything in stride. He constantly delivers these dry lines. Uh, the voice actor playing your outrider I played is the male version does, I think, a really good job. I've heard people say the acting is bad. I think he's doing a great job with what he's given, and I think he is getting the tone right. Again, that schlocky sci-fi tone, that sort of B-grade movie tone that I'm really enjoying the hell out of. Like, I'm having a great time with the story. Although I want to say, objectively, if you look at it, no, the writing's not good. But like I say, it could be deliberately not good. It's hard to tell. Anyway, the thing about Outriders that works so well is the combat. This game is heaps of fun. It's At first, it looks like a cover shooter because there's cover everywhere. You have a pretty smooth cover system, still not as good as Gears of War, which is slightly funny considering people can fly. The developers of Outriders did make a Gears of War game previously in the form of Gears Judgment. In other words, the worst Gears of War. But there's a sort of fast, frantic edge to the combat, and that's because really the cover is there for the enemy, and it's there for you to occasionally high bind to recharge your health or your abilities. Outside of that, you spend a lot of time out of cover. Well, that could be because I'm playing as a trickster, right? And the trickster focuses quite a lot on mobility, including a teleport skill that lets you teleport straight behind an enemy and then deliver gentle acupuncture straight to their spinal column via shotgun. But yeah, the combat almost reminds me of Mass Effect 3. There's just waves of bad guys all the time you're gunning them down and you're using the game's special ability system to unleash a bunch of different powers we'll get to them in a minute 
there's a sort of fast, frenetic, dangerous feel to the combat that I really like. You always just feel like you're on the edge of getting your ass whooped. Uh, you know, I'm constantly scraping through fights with tiny slivers of health left, and it's great fun. I love that feeling of just scraping through. Enemy AI is surprisingly smart in this game. Uh, first of all, if you do take cover, it's incredibly aggressive. Grenades will be thrown at you. Melee units will charge you. They will flank you. There's, uh, you know, you'll come across elite units who do things like unleash a fire tornado that slowly follows you around, forcing you to move. All in all, I found the AI in this game to actually be surprisingly good. Much better than in a lot of other shooters lately. You know, it constantly challenged me to be out there, to be aggressive. The other thing that encourages that aggression is your health system. You recharge health by killing people. So, yes, there is a regeneration system, and you can regenerate a little bit of health, but primarily, at least for my class, getting in the action, getting up close, that's what gets me my health back. So, you know, when I'm on low health, I'll often teleport straight into a group of guys and just go ham with a shotgun. Now, boosting up that combat is the relationship between abilities, mods, and upgrades. Uh, each class gets a selection of special powers, and you can have three of these active at any time. So, for example, with my Trickster class, we've mentioned the teleport. I also have things like uh, special bullets that slice through enemies. I have a temporal blade, which is this wide arc melee attack that can do great damage. I have another handy ability that I really like, which lifts enemies off the ground and suspends them in air, midair for some extra chance to do damage. But the really amazing thing that's got me is the mod system. So every piece of armor on every weapon in this game, of which there's loads, can have up to two mods attached to them, right? And these mods can do a bunch of awesome things like call down lightning when you shoot people. They can tangle enemies up in chains. Uh, you can have a mod that lets you automatically reload the gun when you do a roll. All sorts of cool stuff. There's a really great variety of mods. You are free to change these mods out very easily, very cheaply on different weapons. The only limit is that you can only change one mod if the game, if the gun or piece of armor has two mod slots. You can only change one. To get more mods, all you have to do is dismantle a gun and the mods on that gun are added to your library. Uh, these mods aren't limited by count. They're infinite. Once you have a mod, that's it. You can stick on any weapon or piece of armor that you want. So there's this cool sort of collect-a-thon going on where you're trying to build up your library of different mods so you have more options. And the wealth of ways you can combine mods and your abilities is amazing. There's loads of room here for different class builds. And that's only enhanced by the fact you can put points into your character as well to upgrade things like close combat damage or, you know, to add your health, whatever. So, for example, you know, you might stack a gun with a mod that sets fire on to enemies that shot, and then your armor might have another mod that allows you to deal an extra 30% damage whenever you shoot an enemy that's on fire, and so on and so on. There's loads of room here for really cool combos to the point where I'm looking forward to restarting the game as a different class just to try them out and see what all I can do with them. Now, there are definitely a couple of things I'm not enjoying about the game. The pacing, a little bit off, by which I mean there is none. Pretty much every mission boils down to, here's a big area with lots of cover and a bunch of enemies, kill them. Go to the next one, here's a big area with a bunch of cover and lots of enemies, kill them. That's it, that is the game. Exploration is minimal best, pretty much non-existent. And like I said, there's no variety to mission design. There's no sort of good pacing to the missions where you have a chance to have just a look around or to soak up something. It's just pretty much all action all the time, which can be good or bad, depending on how you feel about it. 
The narrative also relies way too heavily on fade to black cutscenes that are annoying as hell. And they also, the cutscenes just tend to end at the wrong time. It constantly feels like they're being cut short and transitions between one cutscene and the next scene. It almost feels like this thing is just missing in the middle. So yeah, overall, I'm not so keen on the weird fade to black or how they necessarily deliver the narrative to you. So my overall impressions of Outriders so far is very, very positive. I am genuinely surprised. I don't think I would have paid £70 for this game or even 60 I think this would have been a great £40 game, £30 game, something like that. But I'm loving having a looter shooter that's not as vague and open-ended as the like of Destiny. I like looter shooters, but I like to feel like I'm going somewhere. I like to feel like there's an end. And so far, Outriders feels like it has an end. It has something I'm aiming for. It has an end game. I've not gotten there yet myself. That's why I'm leaving the full review for now. Does have an end game, but from what I can tell, even that sort of has an ending. And that's good to me. I don't want a game that just goes on forever and ever and ever because eventually I stop playing and feel like, I don't know, I feel bad for having quit early, but at the same time, I don't want to just keep going and grinding for just weapons. So yeah, overall impressions, very positive. It's on Game Pass. I think that was the best thing that could have happened to this game, along with launching at a time when there's not really much else out. Although Returnal is coming in just a few days. I'm planning on buying it. I think I have the money. Planning on reviewing that. I'm very excited to get PS5 exclusive again to play. Now, moving on, let's talk games with gold from May. I'm going to keep trying to do segments in each show talking about the free games you can grab on Epic, PlayStation, and Xbox every month. So right now we're going with Microsoft. They do things in a weird way because these games, there's four games being offered this month. They all have strange staggered releases. So bear with me. Game number one is Armello, which will be available from May 1st to May 31st. Described as a grim fairy tale board game comes to life, this swashbuckling adventure brings together the deep tactics of card games and the rich strategy of tabletop games, all combined into a character-building RPG. As the hero, you'll wage epic battles, explore the vast kingdom, cast spells, and vanquish monsters, all with the ultimate goal of becoming the next king or queen of Armello. I know nothing about this game, but the write-up there sounds quite interesting. Next up, available from May 16th to June 15th, is Dungeons 3. Quote, Help the Dungeon Lord succeed in conquest in this dungeon-building real-time strategy game. Head the front lines under the guidance of his chief lieutenant, the Dark Elf Thalia, and command the most terrifying army the world has ever seen. Choose among orcs, succubi... Did I, did I pronounce succubi right? Whatever. Carrying on. Zombies and more, and use every trick in the book to take down the do-gooders of the overworld once and for all. Again, don't know much about this game, but I do like the write-up. Uh, I like building an evil lair. I just did it in Evil Genius 2. I like fighting the good guys instead. Also, I like the idea of succubi. Succubay. It, it looks like it's pronounced succubay they've written the way they've written it. I don't know. I like all that, so maybe I'll give this one a go. The third game, available from May 1st to May 15th, is Lego Batman. He is vengeance. He is the knight. He is Lego Batman. Build, dry, swing, and fight your way through Gotham as the Cape Crusader and his sidekick Robin. And, in a gameplay twist, play as the villains in story mode and help their nefarious plans to take over the city. 
Lego Batman is one of the older Lego games. This came way out on the Xbox 360. So, bit weird to see it on Games with Gold, I think. Games with Gold has been a weak service overall recently. But, as games go, Lego Batman's really good fun. Uh, I don't know if it's one of the better Lego games. I've not played all of them. There's so damn many of them. But I do enjoy the hell out of the Lego games. I like to play them with my nieces, so I'll be downloading this one, no matter what. The fourth and final game... Available from the 16th to the 31st of May is Tropico 4, the uh, real-time strategy game where you get to build up your own island. So here's the write-up. As El Presidente, the ruler of your small island nation, it is your job to gain the support of the people, negotiate with foreign superpowers, and even deal with any natural disasters which threaten your country. Test your political mettle and remember that everyone has an agenda. So while it's good to keep your friends close, it's better to keep your enemies closer. I don't know how this game runs on console. Again, it's an Xbox 360 game, so quite old. I did play it on PC. I really enjoy the Tropico series. I really enjoy Tropico 4. Like I said, my only doubt is I'm not quite sure how well it will run on a controller. Hopefully, quite well. And that's it for the games for gold for me. Again, a sort of weird, staggered release that I don't like. In my head, it makes a lot more sense to just offer all four games from May 1st to May 31st. Instead, we have things like Dungeons 3 available from May 16th to June 15th. So that's not games for gold for May. (laughs) It's games with gold for May and part of June. So weird way of doing things. But anyway, if you're interested in any of them, go ahead, add them to your download queue. Honestly, do it even if you're not that bothered about them. There's no harm in having those extra four games in your library, really. So let's jump into some news. We're going to start with some simple stuff. Reports are coming in that the Xbox Series X and S have now sold 4.53 million units in the 22 weeks they've been on sale. Back in March, the PlayStation 5 had reportedly sold over 6 million units, and no doubt that number has gone up since then. Now, obviously, both consoles, sorry, all three consoles, are massively constrained by production problems at the moment. So it's hard to say exactly how many sales they would have without those constraints. But even with those constraints, I feel like these are really good uptake numbers. Uh, PlayStation 5 is obviously doing fantastic. I think it's still very much benefited by the momentum and popularity of the PlayStation 4. That console easily won the last generation just in terms of popularity and pure numbers. So I have no doubt that momentum has carried over extremely well into the PlayStation 5 generation. Xbox, though, are still doing fantastic with 4.5 million sold. I'm sure they'll be very happy by that. And we're also seeing that Microsoft, at least the Microsoft we know currently, aren't necessarily so interested in selling consoles anyway. They're a lot more interested, it seems, in Game Pass and how that's almost its own separate platform now. So I think they'll still be happy with that 4.5 million units sold. It's just great to see the new generation of consoles doing so well with more people getting into gaming hopefully i have no doubt that quite a lot of these are people who've never owned a console before in their lives obviously playstation 5 as well will get a bit of a boost with returnal coming and then ratchet and clank is going to be coming out as well soon which by the way a new trailer came out for that and it looks gorgeous i mean it looks like a pixar movie i am super hyped for that game i cannot even begin to tell you how excited i am for that now moving on the other week we were talking about how Sony has backtracked on its decision to shut down the Vita and PlayStation 3 stores. This is great news for everybody. It's great that we'll still be able to purchase those old games that they're not just going to disappear. 
although they will eventually. Sony did say that they're remaining open for the foreseeable future. I have no doubt they will get closed out eventually. They probably have to be. But for now, at least, they are alive and well. However, there is a little bit of uncertainty, and I learned this listening to Colin Moriarty's podcast, Sacred Symbols, which is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. In it, he talked about himself and his company, Lilimo, of which he owns half, have reached out to Sony to ask if they are actually going to still be accepting games to be published on the Vita, since Lilimo and quite a few others still actively make games for that platform. According to Colin Moriarty, Sony don't seem to know. So everybody who makes Vita games at the moment are in a little bit of a weird limbo state where they don't know if they can carry on working on the game and get it published, or if the store is just going to remain open but static. That's it. What's on there is on there. Nothing else is getting added. We see this from Sony quite a lot with this weird lack of communication. It's very frustrating, and I can only imagine how frustrating it is for anyone who develops for the Vita to not know if they can carry on working on their game or not. On to slightly deeper news here. CBC's Go Public has published two pages from an internal FIFA 21 document that discusses EA's approach to the Ultimate Team System, which is where you can spend real money to buy cards for the game. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know much more about it than that. I don't play FIFA 21 or football games in general. It's not my kind of thing. But what I am interested in is loot boxes, microtransactions, links to gambling, and so on. According to this leaked document, and there are direct quotes from the document, FUT, or in other words, FIFA Ultimate Team, is the cornerstone, and we are doing everything we can to drive players there. Another line in the document says, players will be actively messaged and incentivized to convert throughout the summer. The insider who leaked this document is quoted as saying, for years they've been able to act with a layer of plausible deniability, yet in their internal documents they're clearly saying, this is our goal, we want people driven to the card pack mode. This isn't hugely surprising, we know EA want people going to that mode. They earn a heap of money from it. Now, EA has hit out at GoPublic and accused this report of being, quote, a sensationalized story with a misrepresentation of the facts. We don't encourage young players to spend in our games, and we strongly recommend use of family controls to manage the content that children are allowed to access, their ability to spend in games, and how much time they can play. Our EA platform for PC games also includes dedicated child and teen accounts so that all of our players and their parents can make informed decisions about how they play. And tools like FIFA Playtime help players take control of how they play, including the ability to set limits to manage their engagement and purchasing. This statement to me is stupid. We don't encourage young players to spend in our games and strongly recommend the use of family controls to manage the content maybe don't have any need whatsoever for parental controls in a game rated for three years old and up. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? I argued not long ago, and I still stand by it, I have no problem with loot boxes and gamblings in video games. I just believe it should be treated as an adult thing. If you have gambling in your game, great, that's fine. Have it 18 plus. A kid can't walk into a casino and gamble, and I think it should be the same thing with video games, right? There's no reason it can't exist. I just think it should be for adults who understand or should understand the ramifications of what we're doing. EA also put out that we do not push people to spend in our games. 
Where we provide that choice, we are very careful not to promote spending over earning in the game, and the majority of FIFA players never spend money on in-game items. This is objectively wrong. Sure, the vast majority of players don't spend extra money. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that statement. But they do push people to spend that money. I think that's objectively provably wrong. They do it constantly. You know, whether it be advertising, uh, they're constantly advertising on TV. I see adverts for FIFA Ultimate Team all the time. In game, you are pushed to spend money simply in the urge to get the better cards. Many people would describe the game as pay to win because online, if you have those better cards, you're going to do better. I think this is just objectively wrong. I think EA trying to deny it is stupid. At least own it. If you're EA, own this. Turn around and say, yes, we do push people towards it because this is one of our main sources of income from the series. It's still a sucky thing to be doing, but at least you're honest about it. At least you're clear about your goals. They also hit out once again at the argument that these things are gambling. EA saying, we also firmly disagree that FIFA or any of our games involve gambling. They point out that many countries have said it isn't gambling, although they also ignore the fact that many countries have said it is gambling, and the UK is currently going through legislation and wondering if they should maybe consider it as gambling as well. Again, I think they should. But there's also loads of studies linking loot boxes and these sort of things to gambling, of which I talked about one not long ago. You can go check that out on the website. The basic gist here is the document makes it very clear that EA are trying to drive people toward the FIFA Ultimate Team system and microtransactions. It's not shocking news, we already knew this. It's just interesting to get a document clearly outlining their plans. I highly recommend you go to CBC's Go Public and go read the actual document for yourself. There's lots of interesting stuff in there. As for the person who leaked it, they said, and I'm just paraphrasing here, that they leaked it because they don't like the use of microtransactions in video games. They feel bad about being involved in it. Hats off to you, sir, or madam, or whoever you might be. I commend you for coming out with this stuff. So yeah, nothing surprising. It's just confirmation, I think, of what we all knew already. But it's interesting to have it there in writing. And uh, I think EA's arguments that they're being misrepresented and that they hope people will uh, do better reporting in the future. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's misrepresenting you. This is literally what you said. And every action you've taken over years and years has indicated these are your goals. I don't think there's any misrepresentation here. I think anybody who's reported on it have done so pretty clearly. Nobody's surprised by this. Uh, Anyway, moving on from this. Our last bit of news is more sort of fun speculation about a possible relationship between Microsoft and Nintendo, which has been long rumored. Now, this is this comes up because we saw a switch appear on Phil Spencer's shelves behind him back in February. You know, he was doing a stream. And in the background, on the shelves, there was a Nintendo Switch. And Microsoft had developed a little bit of a reputation lately for hiding hints of things in the backgrounds, right? For fans to enjoy seeing, and most of them have come to fruition. Well, a Switch has reappeared on shelves. This time, it was during GameStack livestream. A Switch appeared in the background of one of the hosts on the shelves. That's interesting because this was more in a development context. Now, a partnership between Nintendo and Microsoft has been long rumoured. Microsoft has shown that they want to get Game Pass 
wherever they can. They have said as much that they would love to get it on as many platforms as they could. They are currently testing their uh, Game Pass streaming service now on Windows 10 and Apple phones. It's currently available on Android as well. I've not tried it myself, but apparently it works quite well. So people are wondering, could we get Game Pass on the Switch? Up until this point, the Nintendo Switch probably wouldn't be able to run a lot of the Game Pass games. Streaming solves that problem by skipping out the hardware entirely and just letting people run it. Now, the interesting here thing is here, and this is where I'm going to get purely into speculation, is that Nintendo would have nothing to lose in this sort of situation. By this, I mean Microsoft would likely be the one footing the entire bill to bring Game Pass to Switch, right? I think Microsoft would be bringing the streaming tech. I think Microsoft would be handing pretty much all the development side of things to get it working. And for Nintendo's side, what they get is now they have a machine where you can play both the Nintendo exclusive titles and Xbox exclusive games, plus a whole load possibly of third-party games as well, depending on how they choose to run Game Pass on there. For Nintendo, I think that would be a very, very appealing prospect, right? How many more people would be willing to buy the already incredibly well-selling Switch if they could also play Xbox-exclusive games as well as Nintendo stuff? I would be really tempted by that. I had a Nintendo Switch not long back. I got rid of it. I wasn't playing it enough. But this would really tempt me to pick one back up so that not only could I enjoy Mario and stuff, but I could also play Xbox games on the go, although I could technically do that already on my tablet and stuff. Now, there are a couple of possible limitations here. The first is obviously streaming tech can be a bit iffy. From what I'm hearing, Xbox's service runs quite well. But, you know, it all depends on your own connection. Uh, look at things like the PlayStation Now Network streaming service. It's really iffy for PlayStation 3 games. You know, to further this argument, I think Microsoft are already treating Game Pass like a wholly separate platform and have indicated that they want to get Game Pass to as many people as possible. They are pushing this service hard, and the Nintendo audience must be a really juicy target, right? It makes sense they're aiming for mobile and stuff first. That's a massive, massive audience. There's an insane number of Android phones out there, Apple phones and so on. Uh, they've indicated possibly getting onto smart TVs via an app. But I think next up, the Nintendo audience makes sense. Sony, probably not going to be interested. I don't think that's going to happen. But Nintendo, they've shown a willingness to maybe work with Microsoft, you know. So it's speculation, but God, I think it's it's such juicy speculation. It also means, could we see a return relationship? Would Nintendo maybe be willing to consider bringing some games to Xbox either natively or via streaming? I don't know. Mostly because I'm not sure if Nintendo would see the value of bringing their games to Xbox. Yes, a large audience, but also a loss of one of Nintendo's two big selling points, which is unique hardware and exclusive games. You can only play Nintendo titles on a Nintendo console. If they allow games to shift over to Xbox, they're potentially losing one of those selling points. With that said, maybe they would consider a more limited idea. One or two games, you know. Something like Mario Kart, Zelda, a regular Mario game. I don't know, something like that. It's It'd be tantalizing, because God, I would love to be able to access the Nintendo titles. I'm just, I'm not quite willing to spend the money on a Switch right now. I'm not financially able to. Although I really am tempted to, simply for my nieces, I would love them to be able to play Nintendo games. They currently own the old uh, Nintendo DSs. 
And I keep looking at it and going, God, I should not have given up my Nintendo Switch. I should have just passed it on to them. Anyway, back to that topic. This is all purely speculation. A Switch in the background of an Xbox stream isn't a lot to go on. Uh, so I'm not really counting it as news. I think it's just an interesting discussion. And I think this generation, the last few years, we have seen a lot of things we just would never have thought of before, whether it's things like Microsoft buying up ZeniMax or just Microsoft's willingness to bring Game Pass to so many places. And the advent of streaming technology, it's just getting better and better. So suddenly, I think a Nintendo and Xbox partnership is possible. Maybe not highly likely, but a lot more possible than I would have ever thought a year ago, two years ago. And it's such a tantalizing idea. I mean, could you imagine this? Could you imagine if this happened? If we could live in a gaming age where Nintendo and Microsoft teamed up and you could play Microsoft games on a Switch? Like, can you imagine playing like the next Halo on Switch? Ah, oh, that'd be so cool. The only downside to me here that I just thought of, it'd be such a cool opportunity for Microsoft to essentially have a handheld console without building one. But then I remembered, or at least I don't think you can connect a Nintendo Switch to any sort of uh, internet outside of your house, outside of your Wi-Fi, can you? Um, it doesn't have like essentially mobile data out and about, which is a shame because it'd be so cool to be able to sit on like a train and stream an Xbox game but I don't think there'd be a way for it to do that. And obviously you couldn't play, you know, Forza Horizon natively on the Switch. Although who knows? There are still rumors of an improved Switch console coming out. So it could be doable. You never know. Anyway, I will end that discussion there. I'm getting myself overly excited about the possible prospect of this. Let's wrap up the podcast. Uh, it's been great talking to you guys again. There might be a few changes coming down the line. Uh, I'm thinking about changing my recording dates permanently to Tuesday because the house is, it's always busy and Tuesday is one of the few days where I get where everything is quiet enough to do a recording without constant thumping or mad sounds getting in the way. If I do that, I need to change the name because the weekend whammy doesn't make sense. It's a terrible name anyway. I'm bad at naming things. So at least on the website, it makes sense because I still write it on the weekend. Usually, although you all know I'm about as consistent as a politician, but but I still think a name change would be in order. I just don't know what to call it. Maybe something like the Weekly Howl, just to go with the wolf idea. It sounds corny, but hey, it could work. Maybe I'll just set it up as the Wolf's Gaming Podcast instead of calling each episode a weekend whammy, something like that. Anyway, hopefully I will get one out every Tuesday. That is the goal. Uh, as per usual as well, I'm going to carry on doing the narrated reviews. I need to catch up on them. I have a recording of the Evil Genius 2 review ready to go. I just need to edit it and get it up for you guys, and hopefully you can enjoy that. Keep an eye out for my Fool Outriders review soon, my Returnal review. Once again, if you want to support the site, go on, go ahead, over to wolfsgamingblog.com, hit the support the site button, toss a few pennies my way. You have no idea how much it helps. I have fuck all money. Like, I am skin. I just, I never have money, and I do my best to try and cover as much as I can. You know, I'm trying to put out now written reviews, weekend whammies, record podcasts and do narrated reviews so hopefully you think the amount of work i'm going to be doing might be worth even you know a quid something like that anyway take care my friends i hope you play loads of games i hope you're having great fun and i will see you on the next episode